0: dynamic matriarchs for many generations. So, in a big Italian family. So, a lot of brothers, a lot of cousins. It was never about gender. It was... Do the work and you can do it all you know five one of me would go play basketball and assume that i you know i'm gonna win so it it, it wasn't that and that was a, a benefit not because the credibility conundrum didn't exist or i didn't certainly experience it in my career and i and i have and i'm sure we'll talk about it but i didn't go in thinking that i thought i am i am going to do this and i'm going to put the work in and be the best i possibly can be at the role that i'm going in for. I think uh, many women don't maybe have that upbringing or had to have that uh, mindset, so they go in automatically negotiating against themselves and say, oh, I have to prove myself. I'm not as good, or I'm being looked at as, and you're already behind the eight ball. So I think that you know, a big part of it starts with yourself and the level of confidence you can get through many different facets that, again, I'm sure we're gonna talk about.
1: Yeah. Lately, or Rachel, do you have any thoughts on the credibility conundrum?
2: Um, I think Lori explained that one just perfectly on that one. But I mean, this is, I think, the um, issue that a lot of us face. um, And I want to just point something out that whether you're male or female, and I coach a lot of people in my organization, it's a personality thing. You need to be able to show everyone what your value to the organization is. Um, so that's that's one thing that I've noticed. You know, a lot of people struggle with that. The other thing also, the other day when we spoke, you know, we we're talking in women in technology, and I think everybody is bringing it up. We just don't have enough women attracted to this field for one reason or another, that we're having this conversation. And I think that's another thing we need to eventually get to and talk about, how do we bring new talent?
3: Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I think I mean, the other thing, and it kind of touches on what you said was, you know, it's about having, com- part of it's having confidence, right? I mean, I read a job description, and it's, you know, next level up, or whatever, and I look at it, and go, oh, I'm like like four out of ten, could I apply for it? And i be like, I'm going for it, you know, mm-hmm. and we're like, ah, can I do it? I don't know, you know, you definitely second-guess yourself, so I think... Being bold and having the confidence to do whatever you want, and even if you get told no, well, you're in the exact same situation that you're in right now, right? So, what's the big deal? At least you, you gave it a shot because you might be told yes, right? So, having the confidence, I think, also makes you be more credible, right? Because if you believe in yourself, then somebody else will,
1: yeah. I like that idea of you know being told no, you're not. It- further behind In than you were spot. before. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of this. I read an article about the um, CEO and creator of Spanx, which we all, I think, know what Spanx is. Uh, <laughs> and she said that growing up, her dad would ask them at the dinner table not to tell what, their, uh, what was good about their day or their success. He yeah. would always ask, where did you fail? And that sh- showed her that you know it was okay to fail, and that's how you grow. Um, so that kind of reminded me of that. And I mean, she's done very well for herself. So must have worked. <laughs> I would have thought of Spanx. Right? Yeah, I know. Right. Um, so you know, lately you kind of touched on this, but how can organizations um, attract new skilled talent?
2: That's a good question. I don't think um, I don't have the answer to that one. I just know that we need to bring. Um, more uh, female into this business, it needs to start at a much younger age. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm talking elementary school age. Somehow between elementary school, and I did a lot of, you know, with my kids at school, I did a lot of tutoring for them and I did math, Olympiads and things like that. They were really great in elementary school. Somehow between elementary and middle school, we lose girls' interest in math and sciences. And I think that's the age that we need to keep them motivated, keep them interested, so that they don't look at us as, I had to say, that bunch of geeks, you know, that only go into computer science and engineering. Somehow we need to bring that talent. And there are some amazing girls that I know in high school and things like that, that they want to become astronauts and fly, go to space and things like that. But we just need to keep that interest going and just keep that interest in them at that young age. Yeah. I
1: think yeah. that's a, an issue, too, um, with the kind of getting stuck around middle management or after you've you know started your family and trying to come back into the workforce, maybe some of those women
0: fall by the wayside. So any other thoughts on attracting talent, Lori? I mean, I, I think it does have to start young, and you have to breed that um, interest. But also, you need women in roles of responsibility and roles of influence. I mean, if you look across Fortune 500 companies today, there's 15% CEOs in Fortune 500 companies. That's 74 women. It is not enough. Last year, it was 41. And in 2002, it was seven. So making progress, but not exponential progress by any stretch. So there's a long way to go, but I do think there's there's positivity that that young women. I mean, I've been in telecommunications, sorry to say, you know, thir- 30 years this year, and and you know, t- going back 20 or even 10 years ago, there was not a lot of women, period, much less at, at a role of influence. Mm-hmm. Now you see women dominating and being leading companies in traditional male-dominated roles, like you know. Uh, exporting Sporting Goods, Northrop Government, Nasdaq. So that's that's inspirational, I think, to young women to say, "Wow, look at look at what she's doing." And I think we need much more of that. Mm-hmm. But it's a start in world leaders as well. You know, you see more women leading countries, um, or have led countries in the UK and Denmark and New Zealand. That's very inspirational, and I think it starts with education and mm-hmm. giving them a forum and having discussions like these. Yeah. And seeing other women in the yeah.
1: positions that they would like to be in. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I also wanted to, I forgot to mention at the beginning, if anyone has any questions, I'd love to hear from you all throughout. Don't feel like you have to sit on your hands. Um, we do have a handheld mic we can pass around. Or um, if you just want to project, that works too. So I'll be keeping an eye out. <laughs> uh, and then how do you, so one of the things that you know I kind of touched on. And the presentation a little bit was the importance of um, certifications and continuing education. What are your thoughts on uh, what kind of opportunities are there out there um, for continuing to reskill, and and how important is that in you know establishing credibility?
3: Who are you asking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Anyone. it's really important. You have to. You never. You can't stop learning, right? I mean, you always have to continue to educate yourself, and whether you're reading you know light reading or your whatever you're, you you need to read online um like you know industry articles and and things that you know like fierce wireless and these all these things that we read right you got to educate yourself that way and then also there's so much um, there's so many training programs out there nowadays. And a lot of it's free, too. I mean, a lot of it's online training. But there's so many things you can do to continue your education. And even though I haven't engineered anything in many, many years, I still go to all the same training classes that my team goes to because I want to make sure I understand what they're learning so that I give them this, the tools that they need to do their job.
0: And I think you know we're talking about the credibility conundrum. you know. In any new role, whether you 're new in your career or you know you 're moving on to another role or another organization there 's always going to be gaps by nature of you going into a new role, so you know you have to do the work also to to fill that and I think it, as you say there 's never been a better time, especially with the hybrid workforce and with different expectations you can you don 't have to drive an hour to take a night class anymore you can take it online and I think that to build the confidence we talked about and not feel less than, you 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 have avenues, but you have to do it. And I think it's really important. And I think many women, in particular, that have families and other responsibilities in addition to their very demanding day job, will put that to the wayside. And and you can't really. You need to continue to do that.
1: Yeah, is it important for organizations to have um, some policies or initiatives in place that maybe? Um, give you a stipend towards those types of things. very helpful.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like leadership programs, right? I mean, Wharton offers a leadership program that anybody can go to, and that's a way of continuing your education. I know at Boingo, we have um, tuition reimbursement. So if I wanted to, which maybe I should go to this program (laughs) (laughs) at Wharton, I could, and they would pay for it. And that's, that's really helpful. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I think particularly now with the Great Resignation, it's very hard to attract talent. Then you get talent. It's a it's a mechanism to incentivize employees to say we we want you. You can fill this role, but also we'll help you get better in your next role. And it could be it could be a, a mutually agreed uh, commitment. You, we will pay for this. I know you know at Metel we are always inspiring people to do it, but we're going to expect you to stay in role for. Whatever, whatever is appropriate yeah. for what they're funding. So I think that you know it, it works both ways, and you build more of a mutual commitment.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really important point to um, have an incentive, but also have some, um, you know, show that you've um, taken full advantage of that, and that you're also uh, you know loyal to the company yeah, at absolutely. the end of the day as well. Um, so, how do you all uh, go about identifying other women in the workforce that might be allies or advocates for you um, in, in supporting your credibility?
0: Um, I mean, I think that um, there's, there's a, depending on where you are in your career, there's there's different there's there's different roles to help women. I think you know we use everything as the same title so there's coaches and advocates and sponsors and mentors and people just say i need one of those i mean i would implore every woman to get all of those and um and and they they fill the gap at different times in your career you know and i think a coach is someone you can trust at any point to go to and give you good solid advice (laughs) and and reasonable advice where a mentor or an advocate is your voice where a lot of women don't have a voice and they need someone to advocate for them um, where a sponsor little different may come and go in your career but they're very invested they have a they have a pointed uh, role to get you to the next role or to, to get you to your um, whatever your particular objectives are in that mm-hmm. way and I think now again more than ever it's out there yeah. I, you know,
3: Sponsors are really important when you want to move into a leadership position. I mean, having somebody out there that's fighting for you when, you know, that, that whatever level you're going for, that next level up, right? When they're having that conversation around the mm-hmm. table, your name is one that always comes up. You're the one that they're seeing as a future leader, so that sponsor is really important. And then, you know, I talk um, sometimes about, like, learning moments, right? It doesn't have to be a sit-down 45-minute session or whatever. But even my my boss, right, who's a man, he's not a woman, um, came to me and said, you know, I said this thing. And apparently (laughs) I said the wrong thing. Can you explain this to me? And the great thing about that was he listened and he... You know, wanted to learn. He's like, I don't understand, because it's his background and where he came from, and, you know, all the things he experienced living his life, you know, led him here. He didn't realize he said something wrong, but, you know, the fact that he wants to learn and he wants to educate himself and he wants to better himself, I thought was. Was really great. So it's not just you know finding allies amongst women. It's also men too, right? Yeah. You got to have just an, a nice group of allies that you know you support and also have your back. Yeah, and that's awesome. He felt comfortable coming to you and yeah. you know bringing that up. Well, he asked me what mansplaining was, and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I, I was like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> oh, oh, sure. Yeah. Let
2: me let me take that. Within our company, we have a platform for that. And every leader is has to register to that platform and take on X number of uh, people that can use them as mentors. Diversity mentorship. How's that working yes. Out? Um, I'm not in HR, so I don't have control of the system. But the platform exists. If anybody is interested in looking in that one, that uh, you know, d- different companies, corporations. I'm sure they. Mm-hmm. Implement different types of platforms, but there is a platform that can be used for um, yeah. making sure that that right.
1: But you always you also have AT&T University, right? Or yes, but that's more like continuing education. That's
0: more
2: like continuing education.
0: Right. You know, it's an interesting concept. We had a discussion about this yesterday. I think you know, looking at a very big organization. I almost feel they have to have certain very structured programs that are important, really important, because they are so big. Um, But I I think the effectiveness, the the question, which is the tricky part, it has to start from a true mindset. And and if I look at our leaders at at METTEL, the executive leadership team across the board, male or female, believe truly you hired the right, the best person for the role, and it sounds simple—whether it's creative or innovative, or you know, a certain criteria for a role. But that is the true mindset. And two years in a row, we we won the Timmy Awards for the most diverse startup tech company in New York City, which was pretty impressive but i think if you really have that mindset the diversity will come because that is the best candidates for the role that's really hard to do in giant organizations because you know it's a much but but i think getting people to mentor others and they get they get to see the fruits of the work that they can do, we'll start changing the mindset and realizing there's a whole population of people that can do this job and, and we need to seek out the best candidate. And then you will, by nature, get a diverse organization.
3: Yeah, I don't think it's hard, I mean, our senior leaders definitely have a, a desire to, um, all of us, I mean, we have a desire to, to do that. I think our biggest, op- you know, and I think it's genuine, right, in their interest. I think it, the, the biggest obstacle is time, right? It's like, it's like who wants one more call on the calendar? Um, it's tough, and especially with travel schedules now, picking up again, I think timing is tough. But, so I actually like the structured program because it's it's kind of a forced thing where it's like, okay, I'm gonna carve out this amount of time because I think that, that's something we all, you know, the juggle is, is difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: the other thing I wanna make a comment is that when we talk about mentoring, It necessarily doesn't need to be a um, leader in a sense that, okay, you're an executive in a company, you need to mentor other people. It could be any peer mentoring. We do a lot of peer mentoring too. Um, So that's really helpful because everybody comes in, brings in a new perspective from a, in fact, uh, a new platform is, you know, people are just doing for diversity and inclusion. They're just setting up 30 minutes on their calendars, and six people can sign up into that. That six people is random. This is purely peer mentoring platform
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, to just do the, you know, the diversity as part of the diversity and inclusion program. Yeah.
1: And switching gears a little bit, uh, and this is something that we, you know, kind of discussed during the last panel. It was, how do you ensure that your voice is heard in your organization, and also with your customers? Rachel, you brought up mansplaining, so if you've got your bingo card, you can fill that in there.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I was on a call. Well, actually, I think Tess, you were the one that was saying this, and I was just like roll. I just just rolled my eyes because I was on a call literally last week, and I said something, and then put myself on mute, and somebody else said the exact same thing and i was like thank god i was on me because i was saying not very nice things um but it happens over and over and over again so I, I you know i think um making sure your voice is heard you just have to be you know intelligent in trying to do that but without being overpowering which is definitely a, a, a tough balance um or else you end up right it's like how do you do that And you're like i just said that but um yeah um Yeah, it's tough, you know, it's I I think we we just have to do our best. And then I liked where you said my boss actually said she just said that and she's the one in charge and get up and walked out of the room. I was like, wow, that's so great to have that support. And so I think, you know, one thing that we do is, or at least I try to do on calls and, and whatnot, is if I hear somebody saying, okay, you're only talking to the man in the room, you're only talking, is pull that person aside and say, you need to be more aware that this is how you're presenting yourself and how this person feels about when you do this. And I think having those private conversations brings an awareness to people, mm-hmm. and, and they, they don't realize they're doing it sometimes, and so when you bring that awareness to them, they change their behavior.
1: And I imagine that's probably best to do like right after it happens. Right after
3: one-on-one. Yes. yes. <laughs> Even though you want to yell at them on the phone, it's usually not the best. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think, too, having a true network of advocates, sometimes your strongest voice is having others bring about your attributes or your contributions has, has the strongest uh, impact when it's not you constantly having to, you know, pat yourself on the back. You need to be able to effectively do that and have something actually to say, measurable results. That's, that's the first step. But when you do do that, if you, if, you know, I've found that if, if peers talk about you, that's, you know, that speaks volumes and people will start to listen and then it builds your confidence and you can talk more too, so.
1: Yeah, and kind of in that same vein, how do you? Um, it, it seems like self promotion is awkward for all of us, probably, but uh, maybe beneficial in a set like overcoming <coughs> that credibility conundrum because you have to, you know, showcase your successes mm-hmm. to a degree. So, uh, how do you go about doing that in a way that's, you know, not super uncomfortable? Maybe <laughs> I,
0: I think, I for one thing. You- it's the way that you present it. So have something to say about your project, your contribution, what you've done, but not about you necessarily. The broader picture is becomes much more interesting than I, 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 me, me, me. It's, this was the project maybe I led and it resulted in X new revenue for our business or it resulted in our department taking on a whole new high profile. So, you know, having having measurable results of what you did as it relates to the organization or the team or uh, other groups, I, I think would, is very effective. Be yeah. proud
3: of your accomplishments. I mean, how many of us will say, be proud of our Kids, like, I'm like, oh, my son hit a home run today. My son did this. My... Well, I should be proud of myself, right? Those are his accomplishments, not mine. But I should brag about myself, just like the way I brag about my child. Why wouldn't I be proud of my accomplishments, right? It's hard. Don't right. get me wrong. I right. don't like talking about myself, but <laughs> even though I'm sitting here. But, um, but, yeah, we've got to get comfortable doing that.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. It is easy to talk about other people's accomplishments, but we do need to celebrate our own. And Lori, I love what you said about um, having those like quantitative and qualitative examples of how you uh, furthered a project along and, and taking a look at the big picture. Laylee, do you have anything to add there?
2: Yeah, I just um, follow on what Lori said. You need to show your value to the organization. At the end of the day, the organizations don't look at your gender or your race to value you. They look at how much you're helping their bottom line, whether it's revenue or cost cutting. You've got to show those values. And I know we talk about a lot of things here, education, things like that. You know, You can take a lot of courses and educate yourself in so many areas, but if you don't take that education back into what you're delivering to your organization and how they benefit from that, that's not going to give you the credibility. Mm-hmm. So just okay. yeah, just the value. Um
1: and uh, you know, still along the lines of um maintaining that credibility, I think sometimes it can we can feel knocked off course a little bit when maybe we get constructive criticism or, or feedback that we weren't expecting. So how do you uh, kind of pivot when you get um, feedback that maybe you, you didn't see coming, and <laughs> you've got to change course a little bit? Rachel, do you have any thoughts?
3: Uh, you know, I, I like, um, as long as it's constructive, right, feedback. I'm, I mean, you know, we said earlier, don't be afraid to fail. Like, you can't be afraid to fail. You can't be afraid to get negative. Nobody's perfect. None of us are, even though we might think we are, but not. So um, I think just try to take it, think about it. You know, don't react. Th- really think stuff through and, and and try to adjust whatever it is that you need to adjust. Because even though you think it might be the right way to do something, the person on the other end might be perceive something very differently. So maybe maybe it's not even the what you're doing, but it's the approach that you have and how you're doing it might be what you need to adjust to, to to you know tweak whatever it is you need to tweak.
0: Mm-hmm. I think too. Everybody loves the praise. The constructive criticisms are a little harder to take, but yeah. I think when you're getting it, and if it is sincere, you know, listen more than you talk when you're mm-hmm. receiving it, because it does take time to absorb. And mm-hmm. I think most people's gut reaction is to be, "What? That's yeah. not no." Uh, and you need you need to take it on board and and think it through thoughtfully. And if if it is valid, I think it's really effective to to loop back to whomever that was giving it to you, whether it was a mentor or a boss or a mm-hmm. friend or whomever, and to say, I thought about what you said, mm-hmm. and I appreciate you telling me that, and actually, I." I applied it, or I did this, or I spoke to the customer this way, or I spoke to my staff this way, or whatever it is. And, and, and it just builds trust, and it builds a much more effective, and, and, and they then know you're coachable. You know, what do they say about athletes? The best ones aren't the ones that are the best, most athletic. They're the ones that are coachable and can learn, and I think it's the same for constructive, you
3: know, My feedback. best feedback isn't from my boss. It comes from my team. Like, that's where the best feedback comes mm-hmm. from. Yeah,
1: that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um and then uh, you know uh, there'll be times when I, I think especially women we'd like to have the answer or feel like we're we're fully prepared to maintain that credibility <laughs> in our leadership position, but there are times where we just don't know, so what do you do when you don't have the answer, don't know, how do you uh, move forward from that
0: it's It's a great concept that I think uh People early on in their career or, again, new enroll or may have this credibility conundrum, they are afraid to say, I don't know, I don't understand, I need help. And that silence will will exponentially get worse and it will just compound as opposed to offline or directly, I don't understand what you said, I need more help, or go to someone you trust. Because then you will become that go-to person, and you'll be trusted. The, the next time your boss or whomever it is goes to you and says something, if you if you say I got it, they're going to know you got it. Because if you didn't, you'd say, Wait, no, I really I need to clarify. And I think those little measures build, you know, build respect and they build credibility mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's really important and if you can't do it right then and there sometimes there's another angle or go to a peer you trust or go to another colleague but mm-hmm. you, you need to ask the questions for mm-hmm. sure yeah i and saw you make mistakes a, yeah i In saw it.
1: an interesting video the other day this guy was talking about being, he's like, I like to be the dumbest person in the room and say, I don't know, because a lot of times there might be someone else who also has a question. Uh, he said he was in a meeting with a bunch of C-level executives and they were listening to a marketing presentation and they're all nodding along. And toward the end, he's like, I, I'm sorry, I don't get any of this. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, all these executives started raising their hand and he said they would have paid for this very expensive um, plan and, and no one knew what it was. So, um, being okay with asking questions I think is really important.
3: It's okay to say, I don't know. Right. right. I don't know why we're so scared of that, but it seems yeah. like, yeah,
2: it's okay. Yeah, there's something else I can add to that one is that we are in a field that technology changes so rapidly, nobody knows everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it's important to educate ourselves, it's important to keep up, but I mean, this field is so huge. You know, there, there are times that, you know, nobody knows everything. So we're all in the same. Yeah. I think it doesn't matter. You can only be really good at one thing. You can't be really good at everything when it comes to technology specifically. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Um, well, do we have any questions before we take a break? Anybody? All right. Well, maybe they'll come up during our coffee break. So we have about a half hour, if you all could come back around um, 3.45, and we'll get started with our next Fireside Chat. But I wanna thank um, everyone up here. Thanks so much, this was great.